0: blog talk radio to start this technology working this morning, and I hope and pray that you'll get on here with us, and we're going to have church here in just a moment, I'm going to give everybody just a minute to uh, get on here with us, I'm not in a hurry, and hopefully you're not either this cold morning, and uh, like I said, I'm going to give everybody just a few minutes to get on here with us and get started. And I'm hoping that, hoping that they find us this morning. We're also broadcasting this morning on Blog Talk Radio. And uh, if you're not able to get us on Facebook, well, I hope you're listening on Blog Talk Radio. All right. Well, I'm going to just, I'm going to go ahead and just kind of talk about it as we're waiting on folks from our church to get online. But we've been. uh, By the way, you're listening to Temple Baptist Church. I'm Brother Brandon Teague, and uh, we're having to meet it out of my home today because we got some we got some snow last night, and there's some slick spots on the road today, and slick spots on concrete, and I don't want to risk anybody falling down. Most of our congregation is is uh, a little over the midpoint of life, and I don't want any more broken hips or broken legs or, or any of those things going on. So. Praise God, we're gonna do it this way this morning. So, you pray for me. This is a little little out of my norm, and everything kind of got thrown together at the last minute here, trying to get everything ready. Uh, But we're here, and praise God, we're here. So I tell you what, I got several that are that are. I got Joanne and Robert, and I got Mom. I got. Let's see, got three. So I got some listening to me. I'm I'm still gonna give them just a few minutes because I want to give everybody a chance to get on here with us. But again, for those who haven't been watching us, haven't been following us, uh, we are studying through the book of Acts, and we have made it all the way to Acts chapter 15, and uh, there's Miss Shirley who got on with us, and, uh, but anyway, we've made it to Acts chapter 15, and as we've talked about many times, and I'll probably say again before we get to rolling here pretty good, Acts is a transitional book. You're coming out of the four gospels after the death, the burial, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And his apostles were told by Christ to go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. And, uh, and as they did, as they did, they they were preaching who Christ was, the Messiah. They were preaching to Jews only, and uh, so they were preaching to them that Jesus is the Son of God. They were preaching the Who Christ is gospel, because they had to accept Him as their Messiah. They, it was. It's not like us as Gentiles looking back on the cross and saying Jesus died on the cross for our sins. They they were they had to accept that he was the Messiah to begin with because all the prophecies of the Old Testament had prophesied that there was a coming Lamb who would take away the sins of the world and they had been sacrificing lambs, uh, you know, all the way ever since they, ever since ever since the beginning honestly because Abel sacrificed a lamb. Uh, they knew of this 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 lamb that was to come that would take away the sins of the world, and they believed on that lamb. Now, when Jesus came, most of the Jews rejected him as their Savior. Uh, they didn't believe. They didn't accept that he was the Lamb of God. And many, many, many of them absolutely rejected him. But yet there were there were. A few there in Jerusalem who had who had believed and received Christ as their Savior as during His earthly ministry, about 120. But in the days following, that number grew and grew and grew as they were preaching the resurrected Christ. They were preaching that Jesus, He is the Lamb. But as the ministry uh, as the ministry began to, uh, well, let me just say this: after the stoning of Stephen, the Jews had rejected jesus once and for all the nation of israel the leaders of israel the the political the religious leaders of israel had rejected jesus once and for all as their messiah and so the the gospel went to the gentiles peter was sent peter was sent uh from uh, from joppa to corneus's house and he preached to the gentiles uh paul was in tarsus barnabas went to antioch and uh from there he went and got he sent for paul paul came they spent uh, a better part of a year there studying. Paul had already received the gospel from, he received the gospel of grace from the Lord Jesus Christ over in, on the Sinai Desert over the course of three years. And he's been up in, he's been up in uh, Tarsus after that. They spend a year together and they go out on a missionary journey. And we've been talking about that in the last few chapters, how they went out on this missionary journey and they went to the Isle of uh, Cyprus and they went through Cyprus. And they preached there, and then they went up. They sailed up north, up uh, to uh, to. Uh, I'm trying to think. It was Perga, I believe it was, and uh, and then they went from there. They went to Iconium, and from there, and, and in Iconium,
1: they they had
0: people. They ran them out of town. Uh, the the unbelieving Jews stirred up. They stirred up the people there, and they ran them out of the coast. said, Don't come back here no more. And they shook the dust off of their feet. From there, they went to Lystra, and in Lystra. Uh, Paul heals a man who's lame, and the people there who were pagans, they said, "Oh, the gods have come down to us as men and they they thought that they thought that Barnabas was Jupiter and Paul was Mercury and uh, so they went and got the uh, the priest of jupiter and 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 they were going to start doing sacrifices and and uh, having a big festival there
1: and uh, when they when they
0: called them on it and said, "Don't do this, we're just men because they didn't want God judging them. They, Paul and Barnabas did not want God's judgment for having accepted this idea that they were gods. So when after that, they they uh, the Jews who had come from Iconium, they stirred all the people up to kill them. So they took Paul, and they stoned him to death. And Paul, uh, they, they took him outside the city and threw him out there on the side of the road like a dead dog. And the other disciples, they they, they, they surrounded him. The others that were around uh, were with them, they surrounded him and were praying it. And God resurrected him up on the side of the road. And we talked about that, how he was caught up in a little third of heaven. And when he came back, he had a, he had an intense, powerful desire to go and witness to those people again. He went right back into the city. He was not scared because he had seen what waits on us on the other side. So he had a firm conviction in his soul. If I die, I'm going to a much better place than this. He had seen it. He had heard it he had felt it, he had experienced it on a level that you and I can only imagine and only dream of. The Bible says, not, uh, I have not seen or ear heard neither hath entered into the hearts of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him, but he had seen it, and therefore he almost seemed suicidal when he came back because he was ready to charge right into the teeth of the monster and, and, and win the world for Christ, even if it meant his life. As a matter of fact, he seemed as though he even hoped it cost him his life because he was be ready to go back where he had just been. Now, <clears throat> from there they went to, uh, from there they went to Derby, and the next day they went back to Lystra. So, and I mean, you know, they're under persecution constantly. But they, they he went back. I'm sure bandaged up, sore as he could be, and preached to them, and stayed there with them, and said, "Look, you're going to have to go through tribulation serving Christ." But he's he's preaching to them that it's all worth it. It's all worth it. He's a living testimony. Now, from there they went back to Antioch, and they told them all the things that had taken place they gave a report as missionaries on what had taken place so i want us to turn this morning to acts chapter 15 acts chapter 15 we're going to read verses 1 through 12 but we're going to get to the end of the verses 1, verse 12 we're going to go back to verse 1 and we're going to park there and we're going to cover some doctrine this morning and uh i want i want you to know before i start uh i'm i may there may be some folks listening in i may step on your toes this morning but my attention is not to hurt you. My intention is to help you. My intention is not to attack. My intention is to draw attention to the truth. And uh, if I say some things this morning that run contrary to what you've been preached in your church, listen to the Bible. I don't want you to hear me because I'm saying it. I want you to hear me because God's Word says it. I don't want you to listen to me because of the name on my sign. I want you to listen to me because I have a King James Bible, and I'm going to tell you the truth right out of it. Amen? So let's get into it. Acts 15, 1 through 12, I hope you have your own Bible and you're following along with me. Acts 15, 1 through 12, the Bible said, and certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren. Now, where'd they come to? They came to Antioch. They came to Antioch from Judea. It's after Paul and Barnabas got back. And they taught the brethren. Here's what they said. Except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses, ye cannot be saved. When therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and disputation with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain other of them should go up to Jerusalem unto the apostles and elders about this question. And being brought on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenice and Samaria, declaring the conversion of the Gentiles, and they caused great joy unto all the brethren. I'm glad they were excited about all these people getting saved. Amen. All right, verse 4, And when they were come to Jerusalem, they were received of the church and of the apostles and the elders, and they declared all things that God had done with them. They told them all about it, all of the, the good things and the negative. They let them know all of it. Now, when they did that, verse 5 said, But there rose up certain of the sect of the Pharisees which believed. Now, so there were some Pharisees. Of course, Paul was a Pharisee. But there were some Pharisees which had believed that Christ was the Son of God. Now listen, but they said that it was needful to circumcise them and to command that they keep the law of Moses. And the apostles and elders came together for to consider this matter. And when they, there had been much disputing, Peter rose up and said unto them, Men and brethren, you know how that a good while ago, God made choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. He's recounting what happened when he was told there was a sheet let down from heaven with all the living, crawling, living things, the unclean beasts in it, and he was shown that the Gentiles were no longer unclean. They were these animals, and, and they were to go to them, and, they, and he was to, he was to uh, do whatever was told. He, he went to Cornelius, and he witnessed, and they all got saved.
1: And they, they knew
0: so because they had evidence they had the Holy Ghost of God. So, now, let's let's just continue reading. All right. Now let me think where I was at. Okay. So Peter had said this. He, he said, now, there's what happened when I went up there, that, that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. Verse 8. And God, who knoweth, which knoweth our hearts, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us. There we go. He gave. He, they. He realized these people got saved. These people got saved. You know why? They were praising God. They were rejoicing in the Lord. They had joy, and uh, and they were they were. And the Bible says that they spoke with tongues. And the disciples knew that they were speaking with tongues because they heard them. I believe they spoke in the, the in Peter's language in language language that he knew, whether it be uh, whether it be Greek or whether it be uh, Hebrew or whether it be Aramaic or Chaldean or one of those languages that Peter knew. I believe they spoke in a tongue that he knew, but I'm going to get away from that and get back into the message. All right, and God, okay, He gave them the Holy Ghost even as He did unto us, verse nine, and put no difference. Get that? Put no difference between us and them. Purifying their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why tempt ye God, and put a yoke upon the neck of these of the disciples, which which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear. But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ we shall be saved, even as they, Jew and Gentile. Then all the multitude kept silence and gave audience to Barnabas and Paul, declaring what miracles and wonders God had wrought among the Gentiles by them. So we're gonna we're gonna pray and we're gonna get into it this morning. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we love you. We thank you this morning. Thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you for salvation by his precious blood. Thank you, Lord, that it's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy that he saved us. Lord, I'm so thankful to be washed in that precious blood. I'm thankful that my sins are under that blood. And, Lord, I rejoice for each and every one who's tuned in to listen to me whose sins are also under that blood. And, Father, I pray, Lord, for the one who's tuned in and listening, Lord, or will listen to this at a later time, Lord, and their sins are not under that blood but they're trusting in their own righteousness. They're trusting in some work. They're trusting in some ritual, something that they have done, and they're, and they're either trusting in that alone or they're including that uh, with, alongside Jesus. Lord, I pray this morning all these things be cleared up, and Father, that they can see clearly that it's only by the blood that we're saved. It's only through Jesus. And, Lord, I pray you'll give me the power of the Holy Ghost this morning. And also I pray for the power of the Holy Ghost for each and every listener. Lord, that you'll open their understanding, Father, that you'll speak to them today. Lord God, it's good to be able to come together even if we're not in person. Father, I just pray for each and every one to keep them safe during this time. A Lord, of, of snow and ice, and, Father, that nobody slip and fall anywhere on a sidewalk or a step. Or Father, I just pray folks just just uh, stay safe. And, Father, just, just minister to us. Lord, even though we're not able to shake hands this morning, we're able to be here together, Lord, by technology, and Father, we're thankful today for it all, and Lord, we're thankful most of all again for our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, help me now to preach. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. All right. Praise God, and it is. It's good It's good to be with you this morning, and I see you're on here. I see Miss Anya and Brother Dan are on here, and I praise God for y'all, And and again, I look forward to anybody else that will watch this later on and we, and I want you to pray with me that the Lord will use this to minister because I don't know who will listen to this. We don't know who will watch this. There may be some that watch this and get mad at a hornet at me, and if they do, well, God help them. I'm not coming to attack anybody. I just want to shed light on the truth. But the truth of it is, let's go back to verse 1, and let's look at this. And the Bible said, in certain me, and, and, I, and I know most of you know all this stuff already. I understand that. Most of you understand the difference between law and grace
1: but I realize
0: there's some who who may be muddied up on some things, and I want to make sure that it's crystal clear before we're done. All right, and certain men which came down from Judea. Now, you remember there were certain men in Judea, uh, and I'm not saying these are the men, but realize there was men in Judea that stoned Stephen. There were men in Judea, uh, you know, that that were trying to get rid of Paul. So I don't know who these men or affiliated with. But I can tell you they were men who were... They they, uh, they had come from Jerusalem, but they were confused on their doctrine, and they had not understood some things. And I don't know if they ever got it. I don't know. The Bible doesn't say. But what they said when they came down to Antioch, or we'd say up to Antioch because it is north on the map, but but anyway, they they, they went down there to Antioch, and they said to the church... They were trying to teach this as a doctrine. They were trying to say, except you be circumcised, after the manner of Moses, you cannot be saved. Now, when I read that, it kind of throws me into the question of what about the women? Because we know that circumcision is for the males. So, I, I mean, I don't have an answer to that question, but but circumcised, you know, I mean... Most all male children in the U.S., I say most, I, I, those who come from a, a, a Jewish or Christian background, most all male children are circumcised in the hospital. They don't have a say in the matter. It's not done as a, most for, for at least in the Christian homes that I know and uh, the experience with my own children, uh, you know, and, and in my mother's case with me and, and many others, it wasn't because we were trying to fulfill some religious ritual. It was just kind of what we everybody had done, and so we did it. So I don't think any, most people don't look at it from a religious point of view. It, it's just done. But uh, but it wasn't done so I'd be saved, I can tell you that. And it, and I know that I didn't have my children, my, my male children circumcised so they could be saved. Uh, it had nothing to do with, with salvation at all. It was just a medical procedure, but they came down and said, "Unless you are circumcised according after the law of Moses, according to the law of Moses, circumcised the eighth day and all that had to do with that, you cannot be saved." Okay, even if, uh, they were saying, growing these Gentiles, unless they get circumcised and follow the law of Moses, they cannot be saved." So they were preaching the doctrine of circumcisional baptism i'm not saying circumcision circumcisional regeneration circumcisional regeneration so so i want us to look at this because so they're saying you can't be saved number one you can't be saved unless you've been circumcised after the manner of moses so but we have we have we have people today who are teaching very similar things all around us and again i didn't come to attack anybody I have people uh, that I'm close to that I that I love and care about who are a part of some uh, denominations that teach some, uh, well, some works-based salvation. And I, I'm grieved about that because I love them and I want them to, to be saved by grace through faith in Christ alone and, and be in heaven when they die. So, But we have these who are saying, well, you know, unless you've been baptized in our church by our preacher— or a preacher like ours, you cannot be saved. We have people who preach that and teach that. I have people that I grew up in the family with who their churches preach and teach that. And, and you know, we have others who, who say that, you know, unless you are baptized in the name of Jesus only, uh, you cannot be saved. There are yet others who say unless you have evidence uh, of, of speaking in unknown tongue, uh, you have that's evidence. They say that's evidence of the Holy Ghost. Unless you provide that evidence, uh, you cannot be saved. And and it goes on and on. And of course, you know there's there's the Catholic Church, and they unless you are confirmed, unless you take the seven sacraments of the Church, you cannot be saved. And they say there's no salvation outside the Catholic Church. So you have a lot of, of, of outfits like that today that are preaching a works based message. And I wanna I wanna address that because it's very important that we understand the truth. And we're gonna look at this, we're gonna look at I want I want us to examine this as if we were in that church in Antioch and these people came down and they talked to us and they told us, Except ye be circumcised after the law of Moses, you cannot be saved. So
1: again these
0: the people I talk about today, the people that, are, that that have these doctrines that I've just mentioned, they're the same type of people. that came down to the Church of Antioch. You know, one of them is preaching circumcisional regeneration—that you must be circumcised in order to be saved—and the other is teaching baptismal regeneration, or you have to be baptized to be saved, or you have to follow these sacraments to be saved. But it's still a ritual. It's still a work that they're preaching. They're teaching salvation. By works, and uh, so I mean, and then there there are those um, on my way on my way to Paris. I pass by their their building uh, on the left, uh, the, the Seventh Day Adventists, and uh, you know a lot of people don't even know what they believe. They have no idea, but I, I'll tell you that they they hold a doctrine which which says that if you well actually what we're doing today we're worshiping on Sunday, they worship on Saturday, and they hold a doctrine that states that if you are worshiping on Sunday, then you are you've taken the mark of the beast. They believe that I know that sounds crazy, doesn't it? But they believe that Sunday worship is a is the mark of the beast. And so they believe the whole world is caught up in the mark of the beast, that all the churchgoers. And, you know, that's that's also salvation by works. If you believe that, that that you're saved by going to church on Saturday rather rather than Sunday, that's part of your salvation, then you've accepted works as a part of your salvation. I've said this before, I'll say this again, on any important truth, the devil will either try to get you to stop too short, or he'll either get you to go too far. He don't want you to get right dead center on the right, on the truth, on, on salvation by the blood of Jesus. So, how am I saved? Let's let's, let's let's put it down as simple as we can. Man is either saved one of two ways. Either number one, Man is saved by doing something himself, or, number two, God does everything that's necessary to be saved, and there's nothing that man can do to add to it. If if God's salvation that he provides and has procured for us by, by allowing his son to live a sinless life on this earth and then having him crucified upon a rugged cross, paying the sins pay for the sins, sin debt of the entire world, if that's God's method of salvation, then I don't need to try to help him to save me. I don't need to try to add anything to say, well, see, I did this, so I know I'm saved. There is nothing more that I need to add to it. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, listen clearly to what the words say. For by grace, again, that's unmerited favor. You didn't earn it. It was just given to you. <laughs> Excuse me. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves; it is the gift of God. You know a thing about a gift. When you get a gift, uh, and I've, I've used this illustration thousands of times, but when you get a gift, you don't have to do anything to receive it. When it's when it's your birthday. You know, when you're a little kid and it's your birthday and people come and they bring you presents, you just sit down and they set one right in front of you after another and you tear them open. You don't have to get up and say, Grandma Grandma gave you this gift. Well, let me go trim Grandma's hedges to since so she gave me this gift to to repay her. No, it's not a gift. Then it would be a purchase, okay? If, you have, if somebody tries to give you a gift and you say, oh, well, let me give you this. Well, then you're paying them back for it. So it's not a gift anymore. A gift is free. You don't deserve a gift. It is, it is something that someone did because they care about you and they love you and they want to do something nice for you. And so God didn't want us to go to hell. God does not want you, my friend, even even if you don't know Christ, even if it's the first time you've ever watched this, God does not want you to go to hell. Not for not for one second does God want you to go to hell. And, and that's why he let his son die on the cross to be the, be the payment for your sins so that you don't have to pay for them by going to hell. God doesn't want that. He said, by grace are we saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. And the important line here is, not of works, lest any man should boast. Boy, you'd puff out your chest and you'd strut all over heaven like a, like a proud little rooster. If, if you had anything to do with it, you'd hold your head up high and you'd look at others with disdain and say, and say, you know, you didn't do what I did. If it was anything that you had to do, you know how competitive you are. You know how comp- I know how competitive I am. This world is a competitive place, and, and that's because of our sin nature. We want to outdo somebody else. It comes down to pride. And so, listen, people get in a contest over who's the most spiritual sometimes, even in churches, it's because we have flesh. God help us. We're to be humble before God. We're to submit ourselves to God and realize that we're really nothing without him. He says that. As a matter of fact, he said, without me, you can do nothing. That's humbling in itself. So, again, so when the Philippian jailer, when he asked Paul and Silas, and he said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Paul responded, and he said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved and thy house. You'll notice there he didn't say you've got to be circumcised according to the law of Moses. He said, be, "He said, he said, believe. He said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved." He didn't say you got to be baptized in the name of Jesus only in order to be saved. He didn't say you got to keep the Sabbath day to be saved. He didn't say you got to go to this particular church right here uh, uh, un, and get baptized by this preacher or you're not saved. No, he said, "By grace are you saved." He said, "Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Just believe it." Amen? Titus 3, 5, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration. That's him doing it. That's not us washing. That's not a preacher washing. That's the washing of regeneration. His blood is washing us clean. His blood is what makes us white as snow. It's not water. There ain't any clean water on this earth. The cleanest water has got bacteria in it. The cleanest water's got junk in it. I mean, listen, these water supplies, that which, which, which uh, pumps uh, this water out in our cities, it goes into these bad streets. it's got toilet paper floating in there. You, I, mean, I wouldn't drink city water if you paid me. I, I, I mean, I don't. I drink filthy water. This water's filthy. It ain't going to save anybody. You hold up a lot, you can see junk floating in city water. That can't save us. That can't save nobody. Amen. Amen, preacher. I know can't nobody say amen on here, but I'll amen myself. Amen? So, listen, it's by grace. Anything you try to add. Again, and somebody said one time, I'll never forget this, said you can take all of the the philosophers, all of the preachers, the priests, the ministers, the rabbis, uh, the imams, all the anybody's who claim to be anything and claim to have any theological knowledge, and you could put them all into one building and let them argue if they could live forever. You could let them argue for 10 million years. And at the end of it all, you would only have one of two answers as to, as to how a man is saved. And either God saves man or man saves himself. There is no mixing of the two. But I do want to point out to you here that there's a great similarity between baptism and circumcision. Now, now follow me on all this. Again, I told you today's going to be mostly just straight doctrine. We're not going to get into a whole lot of, whole lot of anything else. But both baptism and circumcision are both symbolic rituals. Uh, and and, and both, of them, both of them signify something. Both of them signify uh, the decision to live according to the Spirit after, uh, instead of after the flesh we we We're making a conscious decision from here on out, as the little psalm says, "I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back. so in circumcision, there was a literal cutting off of the flesh and a putting away of the flesh, but it was symbolic, okay in baptism we we bury the flesh and uh and and we're 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 getting rid of the old. We're symbolically saying, I don't want to live that old life anymore. I want to get rid of it. I want to bury it, and I want to live this new life in Christ Jesus. So baptism signifies the putting away of the flesh. Uh, Circumcision represents the putting away of the flesh. So I got a question. So what if a person's been circumcised? I'm, I'm putting myself in the church at Antioch, and I'd like to ask these fellas some questions, okay? So what if what if you've been circumcised and you're still living after and being controlled by your flesh? That's a fair question. Romans two twenty five says this. It says for circumc- circumcision, verily profiteth. It. It's good. Listen, if thou keep the law. So if you could keep the law, if somehow you could you could follow the law completely, then oh yeah, circumcision would be a, a helpful thing for you. He said, but if thou be a breaker of the law, thy circumcision is made uncircumcision. So if you can't keep the law holy and completely and never, ever sin, then you wasted your time. You wasted your time getting circumcised. You know, and, and I, I want to say, I've said it before to you, but I'm going to say it again. In all my years of knocking doors and visiting people and asking them if they knew for sure they were going to heaven, so many of them said these things to me, well, I keep the Ten Commandments. And I dare say to you this morning, talking to, this ch- talking to my church and those who've tuned in, have you ever told a lie in your life? I can almost assure you, every single one of us, if we'd be honest, we could all say amen. It, you know, you might hit the like button here. Amen. But, but if you've ever told a lie in your life, you've broken the law. You're a liar, according to God. Not me, but, but according to God. Have you ever took anything that belonged to you? Um, I, I did. I have. When I was six years old, my my step brother, he he, his grandmother ran a country store, and uh, she gave him a, a padlock to put on his locker at school. I was I didn't have a locker at school, but I wanted a padlock. So when nobody was looking, I got one, and I kept it under my bed. I didn't know what I was going to do with it, but I wanted a padlock, and and it got found out, and I had to take it back, and I had to. Uh, take it back to to my stepdad's mother, and I had to tell her that I had stolen that. And, boy, you talk about something hard to do. You talk about something that just just wrung me out. You know, that might have been one of the things that led to my salvation because, I, I, I mean, that embarrassed me to have to give that back and say, I stole it, I'm sorry. But, you know, I broke the law. I broke the law of God. That was just one of the things that God used to show me that I was lost. And, and I dare say everybody watching this at one point or other is taking something that belongs to themselves. So if that's the case, we're lying thieves. You know, have we ever looked at the opposite sex with lust in our heart? Jesus said if, we, if a man looked on a woman to lust after, he's committed adultery already with her in his heart. So that, and, I, and I can't say any man who hasn't done that, any man who, has, who says they haven't done that, they broke that other one about lying. And uh, and most and I think women probably fall in the same category. So let's just let's just admit right now that we're lying, even adulterers, and we've all been disrespectful to our parents at one time or another. So we've broken that. We listen, we broke them all because you know what? We we loved things more than we loved God. We've made idols. See, we need a Savior. We can't keep that law. That circumcision doesn't profit us anything. Okay, so. Here we go. Let's ask these questions. So I'd ask them. I'd ask these fellows that came down from Judea. Does circumcision make you spiritual? I can tell you that right now because I was circumcised as a baby, but I can tell you right now I was not spiritual. I I was not spiritual for a lot of years. So I can answer that one clearly. No, it does not make you spiritual. Does this mean that everyone who's been circumcised is spiritual? Of course not. Absolutely not. So, so we can tell you right there, those rituals don't do anything. What, so what if, what if you're living, a, if you're living a, a godly spiritual life, and yet you've never been circumcised? Because surely there were some, uh, there were some Greeks who, who, were, who were living up there in, in Antioch. They were attending the church. They were serving God. They had not been circumcised. They had no need to be, and yet they were serving God faithfully. And, and so what about that? And they had never been circumcised does that mean that they were really ungodly because they hadn't been? So is their spirituality based on their flesh, their circumcision? So that leads us to this question. Is true circumcision, is it an outward or an inward experience? Is it something that takes place on the outside or is it something that takes place on the inside? Well, let's listen to the Word of God. I, I, like to, I like to go to the Word of God rather than try to answer these things myself. Romans two twenty eight and 29. The Bible says, for he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly. So, you know, again, you wear one of those little flat brown black hats with a stove top hats, and you can have your long curly sideburns and, and your long flowing beard, and, and you can wear your phylactery box with leather box tied around your head with the scriptures in there rolled up inside of it. Uh, you know, you can wear fringe on your britches, uh, you know, wear one of those long black robes, you wear a yarmulke hat, you can go like this at the whaler Wall, all those things you can do. But God said that doesn't make you a Jew. He said he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision, which is outward in the flesh. That don't make one a Jew either. He said, but he is a Jew, which is one inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart and the spirit, and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men but of God. God says it's 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 written in the heart, and and the law is written on the hearts of of men. It's not an outward thing that can that can make us right with God. No, it's on the inside. Deuteronomy ten sixteen. God says, circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart and be no more stiff-necked. He's saying, give me your heart. Yield it to me. It's not about your, your, your outward flesh. It's about what's on the inside of you. Deuteronomy 30, verse 6, And the Lord thy God will circumcise thine heart and the heart of thy seed, and to love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul that thou mayest live. He's talking to the Jews back then he's talking to the children of Israel or I mean the Hebrew children and he said he said I want he's saying I want to circumcise your heart which means I want you to again I want you to submit to me I want you to be yielded to me I want you to love me he says there he says that you'll love me with all your heart and with all your soul that thou mayest live that's what he's talking about about circumcision of the heart he's not talking about something outwardly necessarily as much as that was just an outward symbol of an inward change you following me Circumcision of the flesh was an outward symbol of an inward change. Hmm. So, what is God most interested in? Is He interested in your outside, or is He most interested on your about your inside? Well, let's let's look at let's look again back in the Old Testament. Let's look at Joel, chapter two, verse thirteen. God says, "And rend your heart." And not your garments. Remember, we talked about uh, about Paul and, and Barnabas. They rent their clothes whenever they said, "You're gods and not men," and they, they it was a it was a sign of outward repulsion. Uh, it was a sign of of, of oh no, uh, you know. And he's saying here, he's saying, "Rend your heart and not your garments." In other words, on the inside, come to realize that you have sinned against God, and that that you are you owe a sin debt to God. And he says, "Rend your hearts." Say inside, oh, no, Lord, no, you know, and say, oh, my God, what have I done? That's what you're saying when you rend your hearts. And he said, and turn to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful. Again, there's that word grace. That's in the Old Testament, is it? There's grace and mercy. And that's what we need today in this New Testament age. We need God's mercy and we need his grace. See, God, God's the same. God doesn't change. Amen? He just had not brought the Savior into the world yet, but God's the Sonny. Amen? Listen, the the message changes uh, here and there a little bit along the way because God's plan's unveiling. But it's always been about the Messiah. It's always been about Jesus. It's always been about his Christ. Whether they were Jews looking forward to the Messiah or whether we are Gentiles looking back at Christ on Calvary, we're still looking to the same Savior. We're still believing on the same Lamb of God. The Old Testament saints didn't know anything about the cross, but they knew there was a Messiah coming, the Lamb of God who would be slain for the sins of the world. They didn't understand it all. They didn't have all that light. But you know what? It's there now. It's there now. It's very plain. Since Christ has come and died and been buried and resurrected and gone back to heaven, Listen. Since then, it's there for anybody to hear and to see. And he said, "Rend your heart, not your garments. Turn to the Lord your God. He's gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness. And repenteth him of the evil. We come to him seeking salvation. God wipes the slate clean. Amen. He is he is gracious. He's merciful, slow to anger. And the Bible says, and of great kindness. And you know what? God God will God will forgive." God will forgive. Matthew 23:25 through 28. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you make clean the outside of the cup and the platter, and with, but within are full of extortion and excess. He says, "Thou blind Pharisee, hey, uh, see, because they're only they're only trying to make it look good on the outside. Again, that's why they wear those things on their forehead, and that's why they wear the long flowing robes, and they like to be seen of men." And all. Oh, Oh, thou holy reverend, this, that, and the other. Listen, I don't want nobody to pat me on the back because I'm a preacher and put me on a pedestal and tell me, oh, you're so most holy. I am just a man. Every preacher puts on his breeches just like every other man on this planet. Every one of us has the same, uh, same temptations. Every one of us falls down and has to get back up again. None of us are perfect. Take your eyes off the man of God and put your eyes on God. I tell you that for everybody and every other church as well. Put your eyes on the Savior and take your eyes off the pastor. He's just the messenger. Amen. Now, where was I? Okay. So, yeah, the, the scribes and the Pharisees, he called them hypocrites. Why? Because they're pretending to be holy. They're pretending to be holy. You hear me? They're pretending to be holy. He said, you make clean the outside of the cup and of the platter. You make it look good on the outside. But within... On the inside, they're full of extortion and excess, full of rottenness, full of vileness, full of, full of disgusting, moldy grossness on the inside. That's what he's saying. He said, blind Pharisees, they can't see it. They cannot see. They think they've got to make the outside clean. Don't worry about the inside. He said, cleanse first that which is within the cup. Get the inside clean and the platter, and that the outside of them may be clean also. You've got to clean up the inside. I can tell you right now, Well, let me give you an example. I went last night to make a grilled cheese sandwich in my kitchen. And my kids do the dishes. Amen. Good to see you, Scott. My kids do the dishes. I pulled out a a brand-new skillet we got at Christmas, and I looked in that thing. Outside was clean. Man, the inside wasn't. It still had stuff in there from what was cooked before. It got wiped, and it didn't get cleaned. Or otherwise, they thought it was clean. They put it up. But it got put up dirty. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you think I went ahead and made my little daughter a grilled cheese sandwich in that skillet? No, no, no. Even though it looked clean on the outside, it wasn't fit to use. Amen? It wasn't going to be used for that because I tell you it was dirty. And that's the way a lot of people are. They look clean on the outside to men. They try to present themselves as clean on the outside to men. But inside, they're just as lost as they can be because they've not been concerned about the inside, only the outside. God is concerned about the inside, amen? Listen, he cares about what's in your heart. Remember, uh, well, I didn't finish my scripture. Let me finish. Verse 27 and 28 of Matthew 23. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Again, he calls them hypocrites again. For ye are like unto whited sepulchers, like graves, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but within are full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. You can make a shiny, polished granite stone, but what's underneath it is not anything you'd want to see. Even so, ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within you're full of hypocrisy and iniquity. See, God God sees beyond the outward. Man only sees the outward. You can fool men all day long, but you won't fool God. When your last breath is drawn... And you exhale, and your spirit leaves your body, and it goes out into this, in this, into the the ether. You're one, you're either going into God's presence because you've been washed by the blood of Jesus, or you're going to be taken by the demons down into hell, and you'll burn there forever. You'll never get out. Listen, you can't you can't be righteous. There ain't nothing you can do. God cares about what's on the inside. First Samuel sixteen. Uh, God is choosing him a new king for Israel. He's choosing; he's going to choose David. But he sends Samuel down there to uh, to Jesse's house, and he looks at all these boys, and he's just he's judging them to see which one is going to be the best for the king. And listen to what he says in verses six and seven. And it came to pass that they were when they were come that he looked on Eliab and said, "Surely the Lord's anointed is before him." He looked at this one brother and he said, "Man, he looks. This is a fine specimen right here. This will make a good king." But the Lord said unto Samuel, look not on his countenance. Don't look on the outside, God says. Don't look on the outside. For on the height or nor on the height of his, don't look how tall he is. He said, because I've refused him, for the Lord seeth not as man seeth. We try to make God be like us. We need to realize God is a whole different being than we are. God made us in his own image, but we are not like God. God, we're, we're infinite being. I mean, he's an infinite being. We're finite being. We're living in a finite vessel. Amen. We're so not like God is right, right here. Amen. Someday we'll have a perfect body and we'll have a perfect mind and we'll be just like him. But right now we are not, and we think sometimes that God understands and sees and does just everything just like we, but we are so wrong because the Bible says, he said, the Lord seeth not as a man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. He knows who you are when nobody else is around. So, does circumcision save? Absolutely not. So what's true, because circumcision is a ritual, and again, it's, a, it's an outward uh, symbol of an inward change. Baptism is an outward symbol of an inward change. Why? Because it pictures the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? The, the circumcision represented a separating unto God, and so does baptism. Because in baptism we're saying, hey, I am going to, again, I've decided to follow Jesus. So <clears throat> whatever's true about circumcision is, is, is essentially true about baptism as well. And I know what the the Bible says. I know what the Bible says in Mark chapter 16. Whosoever believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Uh, Yes, but see, the people who preach that you've got to be saved by baptism, they preach the first part of that verse only.
1: "Whosoever, Whosoever believeth
0: and is baptized shall be saved. They say, see there, you've got to be baptized
1: or you will not be saved.
0: But the second part of the verse is the essential part of it. Whosoever is believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but whosoever believeth not shall be damned. Baptism is not in that. Whosoever believeth not shall be damned. Is it possible to believe and not get baptized? Yes. Is that what you recommend, preacher? No, I don't recommend that. Because God God wants us to be baptized in order to proclaim outwardly to a congregation of believers that I have decided to follow Jesus. I don't want to continue on according to the deeds of the flesh. I want to walk in the spirit of God. I want to live a life that pleases God. I want to yield myself to him. I want to give myself to him. And I'm saying now, this time, publicly, before this congregation and God himself, that I am identifying myself with the death, burial, and resurrection of my Savior. And when someone was circumcised, they, they were essentially uh if, if someone later on was circumcised, and said say they became a Jew, they they willingly saying, I want to identify myself with the Jewish religion. I want to identify myself as a Jew. So that's why they were circumcised. It's very, very, very much the same statement. But I know there's somebody out there. I know somebody out there is going to watch this video, and they're going to say, well, you know what? I got you. I got you. There's a verse in the Bible. has got you. I got you, got you, got you. Because Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 21. Listen to it. The like figure whereunto even baptism let me read that again. The like figure whereunto even baptism doth now also doth also now save us. Now they're going to read that and they're going to say, Now see there it says that baptism does also now save us. But the problem is again. They stop halfway through the verse. If we read the entire verse, we listen to what it says. The like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's a figure. You see that? It's a figure, which is a picture or a type it is saying it is a picture of salvation because we have identified ourselves with the death, burial, and resurrection. Amen. What Paul say in his gospel was that Jesus died according to the scriptures, was buried according to the scriptures, and was raised according to the scriptures. Amen. So we are saying I believe that Jesus died according to the scriptures, was buried according to the scriptures, and was raised according to the scriptures. That is our outward testimony of the inward change that has already taken place. Amen? It's not putting, uh, the water doesn't put away the filth. Filth has been put away already by the blood of Jesus Christ. Now hear me. You can get baptized and baptized and baptized and baptized. Let me just say this real quick because I'm running out of time. I'm about to to run up on 12, and I'm not going to go past 12 this morning. I'm going to try not to. But I, I can't tell you how many times, how many times I have witnessed and won a soul to Christ, and they be a, a, a young person only to and, and talk to the mother or the father about baptism. Usually, it's the mother who says this, and my experience it has been when I've said, you know, they they have believed and, and they've agreed and gave testimony, witnessed that they have believed on Christ as their savior, and then said. And I said, "Well, can I? Can I? Can they come to church? We all come to church, and let them get baptized." And I can't tell you how many times a mother said to me, "Well, I want them to understand what they're doing before they do that. Uh, I think they need a little more time to understand what they're doing." I, I, I get that. I, I get a mother's concern, and I'm not discounting that whatsoever. But but I I think it's because people do not understand that baptism is simply an outward expression. Of an inward change. Again, it's not something that you have to wait on. It's not something that we need to wait till they're older. If they get saved, they know how they got saved. If you don't know how you got saved, then you probably are not saved because you've got to understand why you needed to be saved. Number one, that you were lost, that you have a sin nature, and that sin nature is causing you to be damned before God. That sin nature has you condemned before God. That sin nature is going to cause you to go to hell. That sin nature is going to uh, seal your doom in everlasting punishment. Only way out is the blood of Jesus Christ. That blood has got to be applied. And if you don't know that that's what did it, then I would say to you today, friend, you are lost and you need to be saved, that you need to come to Christ. You need to come to God in repentance and saying, my way is not going to save me. My way is only going to condemn me and damn me to hell. My way, though it might be the most noble gesture, Though kneeling in a church and and going through some rituals might make one feel holy, it is not going to mean anything to God. Though though I got baptized by Brother So-and-So in a particular church, that is not going to get me into heaven. Though I be uh, the most patriotic, loyal, faithful, moral American on the face of the planet, I'm still not getting into heaven because of that. Just because I have had some kind of experience where I flopped around on the floor or I spoke in some kind of... Some kind of words I didn't understand I was saying, that's not going to get you into heaven. Listen, there is no way, and and again, it doesn't matter how the preacher said it when he dumped you under the water. It has nothing to do, it has no bearing on it. it. All that matters is that you came to God in repentance and you said something similar. And again, it's not the words, it's what you believe. All that matters is that you came to God and you came with a broken heart over your sin because you realized that you had sinned against him. And you realized that, that without forgiveness, you have no hope for heaven. And you came to him and you said, Father, I'm lost. I'm lost and in, 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 in dead in my sins, and I want eternal life. I want to be born again. I want to I want to live forever with you. In, in heaven. I don't want to go to hell. I want to be saved. I want to enjoy everlasting life. I want to, I want to enjoy the, uh, being a Christian and, and, and living for Christ. I want to be yours. Please wash me in the blood of Jesus and save me. Wash my sins away. However you word that, it's believing on the blood to wash your sins away. When you, when you come to God believing that Jesus was crucified for you on the cross, He died for your sins on Calvary. He paid all that was necessary. When he cried out, it's finished, he meant it was finished. So it's not about a ritual. It's about believing what God has done. True baptism again. True circumcision is of the heart. True baptism is of the heart. And if it hadn't happened there, You can get baptized, every tadpole in the creek knows your social security number backwards and forwards, and it ain't going to do you a bit of good. What matters is, is what you've done with Jesus. Paul was very clear on this when he spoke to to the Galatians. Galatians 5, 1 through 6, he said, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. Not baptism, not circumcision, but Christ. And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage, because that's what works are, is a yoke of bondage that you cannot keep. He said, Behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if ye be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. If you got circumcised thinking that that was going to save you, you wasted your time. You went through pain and suffering for nothing because it cannot. He said, For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. If you got circumcised thinking that was going to save you, you're going to have to keep the law, and you can't do it. Christ has become of no effect unto you. Do you hear that? That's what the Bible says. If you're trusting something else besides Jesus, and you better got to hear me now because I'm not trying to mince words here. I'm trying to be as straightforward with you as I can possibly be. If you're trusting anything else except for the blood of Jesus Christ, listen to what he says in Galatians 5.4. Christ has become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, ye are fallen from grace. You can't have it both ways. You can't have it God's way and your way. You either repent and come to God and say, God, I have blown it. I have messed up. I I believed something that was a lie because the Bible's true. It's not that Brother Brandon's true. God's true. If Brandon's lined up with God, then Brandon's true. But if Brandon isn't lined up with God, then Brother Brandon is lying. And I'm telling you, I'm going to believe what God says. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what any preacher has ever said if they didn't line up with God. I don't care what any pope ever said or anybody else for that matter. If they don't line up with God, they can all go jump the creek. I don't care. I believe God over everything and everybody else. Amen? He said, for we, through the Spirit, wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. It's by faith, 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 faith. We're justified by faith. For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but the faith which worketh by love. It's faith that we're justified by faith. Because we believe that Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, was buried according to the Scriptures, and rose according to the Scriptures, we are justified. That means it's just as if I had never sinned because of what Jesus did for me, and because of my faith, in him, not my works, but my faith in him. Lastly, if faith is the finished work of Jesus Christ, on the cross he made atonement for my sins, and if that's not sufficient for my salvation, but I've got to trust in the work of my baptism, then Paul was guilty of heresy, and he was guilty of blasphemy, because he wrote these things to the Corinthians. Listen, in First Corinthians 1, 14-17, he said, I thank God I baptized none of you except Christus and Gaius. Lest any should say that I baptized in mine own name. I bapt, and I baptized also the household of Stephanus. Besides, I know not whether I baptized any other. Listen, for Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. It's got nothing to do with baptism. Baptism does not save. It does not add to your salvation. It does not make you more spiritual. Should you be baptized? Yes, God says it's an ordinance that we ought to follow because it identifies us publicly before others. It's a testimony, an outward testimony that we have been washed on the inside that we're clean. And I know, I'm going to throw this up one last thought because I know there's somebody out there who's already said it. Well, what about the feet on the cross? Okay.
1: Well, I read this
0: just this morning as if God put this in front of me. I'm going to read it to you and then we're going to be done. Speaking of the thief on the cross, how does he fit into your theology? He had no baptism. He didn't take communion. He wasn't confirmed. He didn't speak in tongues. He didn't go on a mission trip. He didn't volunteer to do anything. He didn't even have any church clothes. He couldn't even bend his knees to pray. He didn't say the sinner's prayer. And among other things, he was a thief. Jesus didn't take away his pain. Jesus didn't heal his body. Jesus didn't smite the ones who, who smited him. He didn't smite the scoffers. Yet it was a thief who walked into heaven the same hour that Jesus did, simply by believing. Simply by believing that he was enough. He had nothing more to offer other than his belief that Jesus was who he said he was. He didn't have no spin from brilliant theologians. He didn't have no ego, no arrogance, no shiny lights, no fog machines, no skinny jeans, no crafty words, no worship teams, no interpretive dance, no donuts and coffee in the lobby. It was just a naked, dying man on the cross. He wasn't even able to fold his hands to pray. And Jesus said, surely this day you'll be me in paradise. It's just the blood. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Amen. I pray this morning if somebody's listening to me, somebody out there, maybe you've never believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. and Maybe you've been caught up in some other some other doctrine somewhere, and you realize this morning for the first time that Christ is the only way. He is. By the way, let me share with you what what Paul said to the Romans. I I wanted to share this verse. It's so powerful. Uh, Dr. Curtis Hudson shared this verse many years ago in a sermon, and it really stood out to me. uh, Romans chapter 11, verse 6, the Bible says, And if it be of grace, then is it no more of works, otherwise grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then is it no more grace? Otherwise, work is no more work. Now listen to what that says as we're closing. Grace is God's favor that he gives you, and you don't deserve it, you can't earn it. He says and if it's of God's unmerited favor, grace, God's riches at Christ's expense, if you want to make an acrostic out of it, then is it no more of works? Then works has nothing more to do with it. He says otherwise, grace is no more grace. If you touch salvation by grace through faith, if you touch it by saying baptism must be done alongside it or you can't be saved, then you've nullified grace. If you say you've got to go to church on Saturday or you can't be saved, you've nullified grace. If you say the preacher has to baptize you in the name of Jesus only, then you've nullified grace. If you say that you've got to speak in tongues, then you've nullified grace. If you say you've got to belong to this church, then you've nullified grace, and it is no more good to you, and it will not save you, and you'll split hell wide open, and you'll get in hell and say, I thought I was saved, but I'm going to tell you something. Salvation is not by what you think. It's about what God's Word says. I love you, friend. I want you to be saved. I'm not trying to be hard or mean on, uh, to you this morning. I just want to tell you the truth. And sometimes the truth hurts. And well, Actually, it always does because it, it cuts us right where we're wrong. And understand what he says, the second part of that verse, he said, but if it be of works, if it's by keeping the law, if it's by doing this ritual or by doing that ritual, he said, then is it no more grace? Grace has nothing to do with it. Otherwise, work is no more work. If you try to mix grace with it and say, well, it's favor, well, then it it doesn't mix. Like oil and water, they don't mix. They're two different things. They have two different compositions. They cannot blend. And you can't be saved by God and you. Turn loose of all of your anchors and your props and your holds and embrace the cross of Calvary. As the songwriter said, in my hand no price I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. Father in heaven, Lord, I thank you this morning for the message. And I pray for each and every one that's
1: tuned in to listen
0: today. I pray, Father, for the soul that's out there. Lord, it's indecision right now. Lord, I remember when I was in that decision. And, Lord, I realized that my sins were, were over my head. I was drowning in my sins. Lord, they were going to take me under. They were going to send me to hell. And I realized that I needed a Savior. And I'm thankful, Lord, that you sent Jesus. Lord, like a life preserver thrown to me in a drowning sea, Jesus and his precious blood, rescued me out of that deep, dark night of sin. And I'm thankful today to know that I'm washed clean forevermore. And, Lord God, I pray for the soul that's out there listening to me that's nearest hell. I pray today that they come in repentance and faith and believe on Jesus, trusting Him alone, not believing or leaning on any work that they might have ever done or or will ever do, but believing solely upon what the Scriptures say. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Father, right where they're at right now, I pray that this be the moment that they come to you in faith and they say, I want to be saved. Wash me, Jesus, in your blood. Forgive my sins. I'm trusting you as my Savior. Oh, Father, I pray, Lord. I pray for those, Lord, that have been in error, in false doctrine. Lord, this be the day they come and repent of it and say, Lord, I've been wrong." but I want to be right with you. Please forgive me and direct me to the right church where I can hear the right teaching. Lord God, I know that I'm nothing. I know that you're all. And I, Father, I praise you that you'll use just an old country boy like me, Lord. I know, I know that I, 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 it's only by your grace that I'm able to preach. And so I thank you for it. And Lord, I pray that the message goes forth and does exactly what you desire for it to do. Lord, please bless each one that's heard it today. And bless me as well. Lord, I need you today. I pray, Father, your forgiveness of our sins. Lord, keep everybody safe. Bring everybody back together soon. In Jesus name. Amen. Thank you, folks. I appreciate you turning, tuning in and listening. It's it's good to see every one of your names on here. Amen. Good to see my friend, uh, Butch Crawford listening to me. I hadn't seen, hadn't seen Butch's name pop up there before. God bless you, Butch. And, uh, praying for you too, in your ministry up there in Maryland. And, uh, and Folks, listen, tune back in. We'll be back online Wednesday night, and uh, we appreciate you listening to us. God bless you, and have a wonderful day. this technology working this morning.